welcome to the Dead Letter Movie Podcast. This is episode 48, recorded May 13th, 2020. I'm Tim. I'm Andrew. And we've uh, we've got a little bit something different today for you. This is a... This is a... Well, this was your idea, Andy. Uh, so yeah, it was why, my why, idea. Why don't, why don't you spin it? Um, so, since we're all still stuck inside... Well, some of you may be in states where it's less stuck inside, but... You should probably still be inside. Anyway, um, so I was just coming up with things to, like, talk about, and one of the things I was thinking about is this particular form of stunt casting that is slightly more subtle, (laughs) I guess. Man, okay, really the best way to describe this is use the movie Airplane. So, Airplane, um, by the Zuckers back in the day, um, has actors in it. So it's a parody of disaster movies, if you don't know what the movie airplane is and in that movie they cast people who would have been in that kind of movie seriously so the particularly robert stack leslie nielsen and lloyd bridges they would have probably been in like airport 77 had they been asked to be in airport 77 anyway so the zuckers the directors of the movies were like well let's let's hire people who aren't known for comedy to do these roles and we'll, we'll, we'll run with that. And the thing is, those actors would basically go on to become comedy actors after that. Leslie Nielsen apparently said that he had been cast against type for years, and he and when he finally got the, the airplane gig, suddenly he was being cast correctly. <laughs> he always wanted to be a comedian, but didn't get to be for a while because he was this rugged leading man type. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. What we're looking at here is instances of casting in movies that are kind of like that, where you don't, you as the audience don't have to know this to make the movie still good and to still work, but it does add a little bit something extra. Um, Like a recent example would be Robert De Niro in in Joker. Um, Now, it's a movie Tim and I weren't exactly in love with, but I had to admit it was an inspired bit of casting to put Robert De Niro in it, considering he had starred in the two movies that Joker was basically ripping off, King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. Yeah. Like, something like that. But you don't need to know that in order for that movie to work for you. So, this is stuff like that. Subtextual stunt casting. Stunt casting is where you, like, cast someone in a movie to kind of, like, be a gimmick, sort of. So this is playing on that gimmick, but in a much more subtle manner. Television does this a lot. Like, the TV show Riverdale did this with, like, every adult in their show. Like, with Molly Ringwald, Skeet Ulrich, Luke Perry. They were all people who were famous for, like, teen movies and such. And so this is just us discussing that and airplane is probably the apex of being able to do this because all of those people would go on would go on to do comedy movies and anyone who's discovering airplane now would still think of those people as comedy people it isn't until later when you learn that oh these guys were in these movies seriously that it kind of changes something yeah yeah um i you you did use the word subtext when you were describing this to me and i I think that's that's great it does imply sort of some being deliberate some some intention there which may or may not always be present in in the movies we're going to talk about we uh to be honest we don't really know for sure on some of them but it's just it's just you know kind of an odd little coincidence maybe yeah I have to admit, this is one of the weirder things I could I picked for us to talk about, but I just it had been kind of in my head for a few years, and I had kind of been like making a list of instances where I had been seeing it. Um, so I just thought it would be a fun thing to discuss while we're all stuck inside. So. Yeah, yeah. So 
Do you want to go first or should I go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay, okay. I'll go first. So this uh, this is a not not too old a film at this point. Mm-hmm. Came out about eleven years ago, and this is a painfully obvious uh, example. The movie is The Men Who Stare at Goats. Uh, oh, I think I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 movie has it's 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 sort of a, a comedy riff on. Uh, an, an alleged military project, you know, back around the, the Vietnam era to you know, harness psychic powers and, and kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, starring George Clooney and Ewan McGregor and a yeah, hand, handful of others. Uh, Jeff Bridges and that guy we don't mention anymore. Right, uh, that guy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Ewan McGregor's character meets George Clooney's character and you know, Clooney had, had been a member of, of this... Psy-ops, I think yeah, is what it's psy-ops, called. Yeah, psy-ops, right, yeah. yeah. And and you know he's he's describing kind of what they were and and what they were about and calls them Jedi warriors and so you get mm-hmm. the line from Ewan McGregor what's a Jedi warrior yep which and is funny because because Ewan McGregor was Obi Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars prequels which had all come out by this point yep and a lot of people of course knew Ewan McGregor from those films a lot of people by then knew him from other things as well he, he he's done other movies folks and yeah, yeah. he's he's really talented guy he's he's got yeah. a range he can do all kinds of stuff but in that particular instance it's like you know really just that one line and you know having it come out of Ewan McGregor's mouth there there's that little bit of subtext there yeah, well, the thing is, when I saw that movie in the theater, I was the only person that laughed at that, um, and it wasn't like, a th- and it wasn't like people, it wasn't like there weren't people in the theater. If it had been like a matinee, and I was, it was like me and my buddy and three other people, that'd have been fine. But there was like a good amount of people in the theater, and I'm cracking up, laughing so hard at that, and. Even my buddy was like, why are you laughing at this? Like, so I think it's actually a pretty good example, Tim, because, like, I don't think it hit people as well as you think it could have. It's funny. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that's a testament to Ewan McGregor's acting that he pulled that off. He, he um, so did. Yeah. I would love to see if there were, like, bloopers of him just breaking. Or, um, yeah, telling Clooney to feel the force or something instead. Yeah, or anything. You know. Any, yeah, just, just yeah, uh, breaking out of his American accent for the film. No, I think that's a, that's a, that's a fabulous example. Yeah. Super soldier, a Jedi warrior. What's a what's a Jedi warrior? You're looking at one. You're a Jedi warrior. That's correct. I don't know what that means. All right, mine's my mine is a little older. It's a hundred percent stunt casting. The director who who did it would uh, would call it stunt casting, but at the same time, it's the kind of thing where if you don't know who this person is, it doesn't. You're just whatever. So that would be Tab Hunter in John Waters' Polyester from 1981. So Polyester is actually, is probably my favorite John Waters movie. It's also probably his most, his nicest John Waters, John Waters movie. Um, Hairspray is <laughs> like a nice movie. You can watch that with your grandma and everything's okay. Like it's rated yeah. PG. It's all right. You know, like I love Hairspray. Don't get me wrong. It's one of my favorite movies. But John Waters has a range between like Hairspray to pink flamingos um so you know that's a pg to an nc-17 rated kind of thing and uh, polyester is r-rated has a fair amount of those bizarre john waters isms uh at, but at the same time is still relatively mm, pleasantly unpleasant unlike some of his other movies where he's just kind of being unpleasant and you're either into that or you're not anyway so polyester has a bit of stunt casting in it with tab hunter 
where Tab Hunter is kind of sending up his old roles of being this, like, teenage heartthrob type from back in the 50s and 60s. So he was kind of like, uh, you know, um, I can't really, like, uh, the only other, he really is the best example when you're bringing up these things, um, but, like, someone like, uh, Frankie Avalon to a certain extent, or Fabian, uh, or, or Sal Minio, um, is not a bad example as well. These are all people that you'll have to ask your grandma about, and I'm sorry, but nonetheless, <laughs> so... Tab Hunter plays this, like, heartthrob guy who is supposed to be, like, trying to get with and be the man of the dreams of Divine in, in polyester. It, it turns out that it's uh, a totally different thing going on, but it doesn't matter because it's still hilarious and it's still bizarre. But if you don't know that he used to be this teenage heartthrob type and he's kind of lampooning that, it still works, is the thing. And it's really funny. It's really bizarre. Bill Murray sings the theme song. It's, uh, it's I gotta admit, it's a John Waters movie, Um, but you should check it out. It uh, comes, if you're able to rent it with, with the Odorama card, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, Odorama, which is, uh, it's a little card that's a scratch and sniff. So there'd be like yeah. a little number that appears on the on the bottom and you'd scratch that number and smell what's in like there's a rose and there's also unpleasant things because it's a John Waters movie. Yeah, this is the big screen cousin of Smellovision. Uh-huh. And it's uh yeah, so it's a fun movie. It's uh, I think it's one of John Waters' best and uh, yeah, good use of this particular kind of casting. Okay. Read my lips. I love you. I love you too. My darling. And let's make love, you sweet little thing. Uh, so, wow, how, how does one even begin to follow that? I, I don't know, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is a much more recent film. This is only four years old. My number two for this, uh, from 2016, it's, it's a little weird to me that it's been four years, but mm-hmm. um, is, a, is an MCU film. Hmm. This is Doctor Strange, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Okay. And... Slightly more notably for our topic, Rachel McAdams. Oh, okay. Which is notable because at this point, Rachel McAdams had in two films played the character of Irene Adler opposite Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock Holmes. Oh, right, yeah. And Benedict Cumberbatch, prior to being in Doctor Strange, had gained a lot of fame for playing Sherlock in Stephen Moffat's new BBC television movie. Yeah. Yeah. So here's Rachel McAdams, who has played the romantic interest opposite these these two guys, both of whom have now done Sherlock Holmes, not Mm -hmm. both of them being Sherlock Holmes at the same time. And I you you could also say it's it was a little weird to have both uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Benedict Cumberbatch in the last two Avengers films together. Yeah. I, I was I was kind of hoping to see them actually play a little more off each other in those movies, but so mm-hmm. I don't think this was probably an intentional thing at all. Putting Rachel McAdams in this movie opposite probably Cumberbatch, not. just one of those weird little coincidences that mm-hmm. you know, kind of stuck out to me when I I saw the movie. No, I like that. No, that's pretty. That's a that's a it's a different way of looking at it, and I think it totally fits. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, as we were talking about earlier with television doing this a lot, it actually really fits that, you know, sometimes these things bleed into each other. Yeah. I think the I think Rachel McAdams actually has been not utilized enough. Um, she needs to be in more things. Yeah, and I mean, she's 
she's she's still working working actress. Oh, and, she does stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've enjoyed her in a lot of things. But I I think the first thing I really saw her in and recognized her performance in was Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes, and mm. she's really good in it. So oh man, Regina George in Bean Girls, man, that's how I was like, oh, this McAdams girl is going. Yeah, places. yeah, and that yeah. that that is a, a few years older. Obviously, yep. but there it is. So. But yeah, no, I like this. I like this. So you joined a cult? No, I didn't. No, not exactly. No, I mean, they did teach me to tap into powers that I never even knew existed. No, that sounds like a cult. It's not a cult. Well, that's what a cultist would say. Oh, no. All right. So, um, so my, my number two is newer than my other one. And I think it's a pretty good, and it kind of goes with the airplane thing. And that is because it's the same directors, um, same people, and that's Priscilla Presley in *The Naked Gun* from 1988. Um, yeah, so it's the same kind of story. She was hired to be in that movie because she wasn't known for doing comedy before. Now she had been on *Dallas* for a time, I think, before. So she was—it wasn't like she was just like famous for being Elvis's wife, and then like didn't do acting and it suddenly is in this thing which is what i thought for years like i thought is this woman only in the naked gun movies because she was married to elvis which in and of itself is kind of funny um if that was the reason um, <laughs> in reality it, that is not the actual reason um they they i mean like yeah, i'm sure it played into it but part of it was is that she wasn't known for playing comedy and they thought it was an added extra thing and to be honest it works really well um, she's really funny in it, um, and it has Le Leslie Nielsen in it. You know, who's an airplane? It's the same kind of feel as Airplane. It's um, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's it's got that thing going for it. Um, it's really funny. Um, it's technically a spinoff from a TV show, um, Police Squad, and it's uh, which I have never actually watched an episode of Police Squad, but I've seen the Naked Gun movies a lot, and uh, yeah. So like that's that's. That's one one example that I thought was pretty good. That is also like the Zucker way of doing things. Please believe me. Vincent Ludwig and I, there was never anything between us. He likes these German men. What about you? I like cops. I want to call this kind of casting Zuckering, but I think it's not just comedies that do it. So Yeah, yeah, that's... That's that's true. Although there's certainly a lot of that in the in the examples we've come up with. Yeah. Well, my my number one is not a comedy, so okay. Like, so it's um, the, we'll see what we'll see what yeah. goes. Um. But uh. So do you have any honorable mentions before you go into your your first one? Um. Not a whole lot of honorable mentions that are any more significant than cameos. I mean, and, and yeah, there's a lot. This happens a lot with cameos. Yeah. So many cameos. Um. The the one that immediately stuck out in my mind when we first started talking about this was John Hurt in Spaceballs. Oh yeah. Which I mean, yeah. yeah. Redoing like sending up the the chestburster mm -hmm. scene. Mm -hmm. So a movie I'm on the fence about is Birdman because like now it does this like I think it does do this and it does it intentionally and it does. Oh yeah definitely do what we're talking about with both michael keaton and edward norton the thing though is that i think it relies too much on that subtext for that movie to work and, and like i'm not saying the movie doesn't like i'll put it to you like now you and i weren't in love with that movie either i liked it i wasn't I, really in love with it i liked it it's like um but it was one of those things where knowing about that kind of gives it a, almost a full letter grade higher. I feel like if you don't yeah. know 
that like okay you could not know that edward norton used to be the incredible hulk and that's probably fine yeah, um, for but one if you, whole if you, movie if you don't know that michael keaton was batman yeah this movie's gonna do almost nothing for you probably it's gonna do almost nothing like um so like that i think it relies too much on its subtext however off of this i think there is a movie that does do it one better and that is spider-man homecoming with having michael keaton play a villain that is bird themed oh um, yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, as a as kind of a follow on there. Yeah, <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah. So, and you yeah, don't yeah. have to know he was in Birdman. <laughs> You don't, and you don't have to know he was Batman. It's uh, just because he knocks it out of the park either way. Uh huh. But yeah, and there's like a dozen cameo options that come up out of this too, like Don Knotts in Pleasantville, Vincent Price in Edward Scissorhands, another oh, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah um, the Folksman in A Mighty Wind is basically Spinal Tap. So there's like there's a this happens a lot, but uh, yeah. Here we are. End of the line. Thanks, Dad. You hit in there, Gumdrop. I'm gonna give Peter the uh, the dad talk. I'm sure there's a dozens more we could think of, um, but yeah. So, all right, Tim, what's your number one? Okay, so my my number one. Um, in a little bit of a shout out to my mother. Hmm. Uh, this this is a movie that is undersung, and I may have mentioned on the show before. From 1955, The Court Jester. Ah, with Danny Kay. With Danny Kay, Glennis Johns, a very young Angela Lansbury, and and Basil Rathbone. Oh, okay. Who at this point, for some sixteen years or so, had been pretty widely known for playing, once again, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Holmes. Now, this was not the first time he'd played a villain, so it wasn't, you know, strictly against type for him, because mm-hmm. he's 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 got some range, he'd done some other things mm-hmm. in in the the same year he first uh, showed up as, as Sherlock Holmes in 1939, uh, he was also in Son of Frankenstein. I was going to say, I often think of him as the Son right, of Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, but the year before that, he was also Sir Guy of Gisborne in The Adventures of Robin Hood. Right, so so yeah. he's, he's, he's been kind of a villain and, and a shady character before. Yeah. And he's... he's- He's not really a villain in Son yeah. of Frankenstein, but he is he's less of a villain than like dad right. Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, some of those things aside, he was best known for being Sherlock Holmes opposite Nigel Bruce mm-hmm. for yeah, years, yeah, a long time. That went on for a long time, mm-hmm. but he plays the villain in The Court Jester, which is, you know, kind of against type. So, a lot of people seeing this movie, which is a comedy, it's it's a lot of fun. It's very silly. Show your kids. Very kid friendly. Yeah. Bit of bit of a change for anybody who'd been you know watching all these Sherlock Holmes movies, starring Basil Rathbone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. It's cool. So my friends, the tables have turned yet again, but this time for the last time, and not only for one but for two. What a prize! All right, so. My number one, it popped in my mind because of recent events, and mine is the late, great Bax von Sydow in The Exorcist. Now, I told myself I could only pick one horror film, um, but because genre does this a lot. Horror does this a lot, sci-fi does this a lot, um, especially with cameos, but if it, with actual like meaty roles, um, I can't think of anything that beats, other than Airplane, than um, Max von Sydow as the titular role in The Exorcist. And the reason why behind this is that, and it works really well because people don't like this movie, is that 
Max von Sydow played Jesus Christ in The Greatest Story Ever Told. Now, I have never seen that movie. By all accounts, it's really bloated and kind of boring, um, which is too bad. And But yeah, I mean, like, famous for playing Jesus Christ. And then he plays this exorcist. So, I mean, like, the, the possession is so bad, Jesus Christ himself has to come and solve the problem. And I, it makes that so much, it works so much more. Like, it's just this added bit of subtext that never gets talked about. Um, like, I, they, Shudder did this thing about cursed movies, and, and they talk about The Exorcist, and they don't even bring this up. And to me, it's like, why aren't you bringing this up? This is like an extra weird bit of trivia that adds just this whole other layer to the movie. And then, like, to kind of follow up on that, so he's... So he plays the exorcist, he's been Jesus Christ. Years later, in 1993, he plays basically the devil in Needful Things. So that kind of just speaks to the range of Max von Sydow. But honestly, I can't think of any any other thing that kind of beats having Jesus Christ come be your exorcist. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's my number one. <laughs> it's the power of Christ. That compels you. The power of Christ compels you. That the power of Christ compels you. All right, I admit this was kind of a weird thing to talk about, yeah, um, for because sure. it's very nebulous and bizarre to explain. But uh, I think I think by the end of this, I think you got the idea. Um, hopefully, you'll start finding instances of this in your viewing, especially while we're all at home watching movies and television. And when you do, hit us on Twitter. All right. Well, I, I think that's that's about all the shenanigans we've got in store for today. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.